by for Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with your host, Drew Kirby. Hey, this is Luke Holmes. I am Morgan Wallen. I'm Riley Green. I'm Travis Denning. Hey, I'm Aaron Lewis. Hey, it's Luke Bryan. I'm Tim McGraw. What's up? This is Ian Munsick. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. And we're back. Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. One of my favorite times of the week is when I get to talk to Janet and the gang at Wyoming Game and Fish Department. And Janet, every time we talk, we try to break down issues that are happening, things that the public need to know, and reasons behind why the public needs to know. And and I think that the, this issue that we've talked about a lot of times on this program has gotten even bigger than it normally has, and that's the Casper Turkey Posse. That's right, Drew. And I'm here today with not my normal turkey, but I have a new turkey with me. Brandon Warner, our Casper wildlife biologist, is, is going to talk with us today a little bit about the challenges and the problems and what we're seeing out on the ground this is nothing new to Casperites, and we're, we're used to it. But like you mentioned, the, the flocks are turning into herds, and the herds are, are getting a little bit too big. So we need to really talk about um, some things that folks that live in Casper should be thinking about and things that the Wyoming Game and Fish Department is doing. One of the things that I have noticed, and you know, doing this show for nearly three years now, I've talked to so many of, of biologists and uh, wild turkey experts in this state. And it's not just Casper that is kind of having an overpopulation or an overcrowding. Uh, even near Laramie Peak, when I was down there last, it felt like these turkeys just kept coming and coming and coming over the hill. So the traffic was stopped. Luckily, it's you know on the road where there's no one there. So traffic wasn't really impeded, but it was kind of an, a nuisance. And, and I'm sure that that's exactly what the people in Casper are feeling in their yards because not only are they there tearing up their yards, but stopping traffic and, and causing issues. That's right, Drew. And you remember um, that watching all those turkeys out in the wild, and it's an amazing sight, right? They're, they're incredible creatures to watch. They're, they're fun. They're smart. Um, but then imagine that in your front yard, you know, like that. Think of, of gardeners. Think of your nice concrete sidewalks. Like there's a lot of things that that change um, when they're out in the wild versus when they're hanging in your front yard. And, and Brandon really has some great perspectives because he's the lucky one that gets to talk to the public every time they call um, and, and talk to him about these issues. And and. I had a new favorite one this week, though, that he's going to start off sharing about dogs. And anybody who has a Labrador with this one can can join in. Yeah, so I've been getting several complaints from turkeys around town, uh, just a lot of birds. And, and what do birds do? They drop feces. And when you get a lot of birds in one spot, they obviously drop a lot of feces. And there's been some dogs that have been getting into that, and it can cause some issues with them as well. So... I would like to back up a little bit and talk about why are we having so many birds in town now compared to what we've had in past years. So what we had a lot of last summer was rain and rain causes a lot of grasses, forbs, which are flowering plants to grow. Those flowering plants bring in insects and then the poults, the little baby chicks of turkeys, they need those insects to grow. And there's been a lot of research done every year across the country, multiple states. People are going out, we're counting how many hens or how many of those chicks, those poults are with the hens. Wyoming actually is one of the highest producing turkey states in these recent years. 
So that's why we're seeing so many birds. Which it's it's crazy because they're not native here. They actually brought in in what the 1950s, I believe. That's when the big exchange happened. Uh, but to know that the numbers have grown to the the numbers that they are is it's fascinating. First off, to show that Wyoming can you know house these turkeys and they can continue to grow and and be healthy. But is that normal to see the growth happen like it has here? Uh, turkeys, like I said before, they're really moisture related. So on wet years, you're going to see big growth. On dry years, not so much. They're very boom and bust critters, and we're seeing a big boom right now. When these big boomers get together, you say they they find what they need for, for their, their babies, basically. How far will they travel? Because obviously right in the middle of Casper isn't the ideal place for, for these birds to, to live. So are they coming from Casper Mountain and just making their way down into to town? Well, birds, they change based on the season of the year. So in the springtime, when they're breeding and whatnot, they're, they're not in huge groups. And then in, in the summertime, when they're going to have their chicks, they'll disperse out Casper Mountain. They're, they'll disperse down the creek bottoms. But then in the fall, they'll start to congregate again. And in, in the wintertime, they're a prey species. So they're used to getting together, spending the winter together. And that's when we really get a lot of complaints is when we see these huge flocks in their winter concentrations. When I was driving down Wolcott just the other day, I'm, it's normal to see them there, but th- the number of, of turkeys on the street and in the yards was a block long. I mean, there were turkeys everywhere, and you said that the complaints are starting to really pick up. I mean, what are some of the other complaints other than the turkey crap in their yards? Well, and your sick dogs and getting to clean all of that up, you know, and and there's two sides to this story, Drew. There is the problems that humans, you know, oh, my goodness, I have to slow down on Walcott. Um, You know, I have to clean up my yard. They're, you know, making a mess in my neighborhood. There's that side of it. But then there's also the turkey side of it. So any of you guys that might have a high school driver and know that uh, anywhere around NC, it's fairly dangerous to be in a crosswalk and anywhere on the sidewalk, which is often where those turkeys are, right? And so sometimes those turkeys get hit. Um, people are very getting very impatient with them. And so whether or not you're a high school driver, I've seen lots of drivers um, just kind of losing their patience. And, and so we're seeing a lot of turkeys getting hit on the highway. And that's a danger to both the birds and to humans, right? A lot of times they'll just kind of jump out of nowhere because you're not looking for them. So, so there's that side of it. There's also, you know, we talk about the dogs getting sick, but there's also the birds getting chased by the dogs. Um, it's it's a, a fun thing for those dogs to do, but it is not a fun thing for those turkeys to get chased and a lot of injuries, um, things that are happening. So we want to keep those things in mind and remind people that, um, you know, it, they are wild animals. And so being in this um, more urban area is, is not a good situation for them. And we're also seeing a lot of damage to personal property trees, flowers, uh, even houses and cars. The turkeys have been jumping up on the cars and, and they got sharp claws and they'll scratch it. And same deal when they congregate in the wintertime, just these problems really amplify. So obviously the homeowners that live there, 
are the ones that are really getting the worst end of this deal because there's nothing that they can really do to get rid of them. I mean, you can shoo them off, I would assume, but you know, you get your slingshot out and take one out. I mean, you're in trouble because you can't you can't do that. So what are what are the next steps of taking care of this problem? So first of all, I think we need to talk a little bit too about why they're here, right? And the chances are pretty high that if you have turkeys in your neighborhood, if you're not the one feeding them, your neighbor is. And so that is one of those things to to recognize is um, it is, you know, not okay. And Brandon can talk to us a little bit about the effort he recently made with the Casper City Council, but it's not okay to feed them. It's you're not doing them a favor. And um, now you can get in trouble for doing that. Yes, we worked with the Casper City Council and I want to say thank you to them. They removed wild turkeys off of the approved list of animals that can feed. So it is now against city ordinance to feed these wild turkeys. And when you're feeding them, you're artificially congregating them into the areas where they normally wouldn't be. And then again, amplifying the problems that they cause. But when you're not feeding them, they have to disperse and look for food. So it just really lessens these issues. Do you, I mean, obviously they made their way here. If they're not getting fed, are they going to make their way out as easy as they came in? We might help them on their way out um, in, in a removal process and relocation process that, that might speed that up a little bit. Once they get here, it is kind of tough for them to move out. And so, you know, there are food sources, natural food sources in town that they will continue to um, feed on, but it will lower the population and lessen a lot of the issues that we're seeing if people are not artificial food artificially feeding them yes what's an example that people may not think that they're doing bad by feeding but like what are they putting out that these turkeys are eating so it's typically grains like going bird feeders or they're just going buying cracked corn or regular corn and and just throwing it out for them but this time of year the birds are really need seeds or, or grains along those lines so that's why they're they really like those food sources so really, if, if they just have a regular bird feeder hanging in their tree, that could be adding to the problem of feeding the turkeys. It could, but there's a way to minimize how those turkeys are getting feed. If you're keeping it off the ground or just putting out a little bit of feed for the songbirds, that's okay. But when you're putting out a lot of feed or just throwing it straight on the ground, that's when you're attracting turkeys. So, and making sure that if you are going to put out a little bit, that you have your the bag secured if you have it in a, a barrel, you need to make sure that you have that all secured because those turkeys, if they know it's there, they're going to be able to get there. Yeah, they're they're pretty relentless when they know <laughs> feeds around. So, and, and one thing I'd like to touch on too, you know, artificially congregating birds can be bad for them too, other than just vehicles, than them getting hit by vehicles. We've had some disease issues uh, in Natrona County in 2023 with avian influenza. We haven't had it in the turkeys, but we've had it in owls and in Canada geese. Turkeys are susceptible, so feeding them can art- will artificially congregate them. If one of them gets sick, it can quickly spread throughout the flock. And you know, Brandon brings up a, a good point. Um, over the past couple of years, we've talked about it. Um, we all remember the big egg crisis, all of that from um, highly pathogenic avian influenza that is, you know, was going across the country and, and is still around. 
um, we did have some rather large die-offs of wild turkeys around the state. Nothing drastic, but you know, 10, 20, 30 in a flock that can go down. And that that is, you know, something that people need to think about if, if they want that in their front yard. You know, so not feeding those is is a big help to kind of keep them dispersed. So it, definitely a good idea not to feed the, the turkeys. And, you know, it, 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 if you haven't seen the flock that is in downtown Casper, go drive there and just see because people are like, oh, it can't be that bad. It, it, you know, I don't see them all the time. They're there all the time. Every day I drive home, I see turkeys. So it, it really is a big problem. And, you know, not only is it a problem for, for us, but it is a problem for the turkeys. And when we come back, we're going to break down a little bit more into the dangers and how we're going to be able to fight this, uh, this larger uh, flock of turkeys. Coming up in just a few minutes, Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. It's Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. And we are back with Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with Game and Fish, Brandon Warner, and... Uh, Janet Millick, both with us today. We're talking turkeys. The turkey issue in Casper has become quite an issue. We've all known it's been there, but now it's getting bigger and, and bigger. And, and Janet, I know that the, the the powers that be have really put their, their minds together and thrown out ideas and, and trying to get this problem under control. I like the way you give us credit, Drew. Um, but, you know, I think one of the big messages that, that I want the public to know or that the Game and Fish Department wants the public to know is that um, we love the turkeys as much as they do. And we keep saying the word turkey and you keep doing your introductions about turkeys. But Brandon is the one who keeps bringing up the great word wild turkey. And this is just a reminder that they are wild turkeys. They are wildlife. And we all love to watch them. We all love to um, you know, see them in the crosswalk downtown. How cute is that? And, and they're neat creatures to watch. And, and so I want everybody to know that the Game and Fish Department does appreciate and does, does really um, care for the turkeys. And that is one of the reasons why we are really looking into some new and different ideas to, to kind of deal with them. So there are some issues that, talk, that happen with these turkeys. And let's kind of go back. I want to focus on the dangers of these turkeys for the turkey and for the public and for the, the pets, Brandon, you had talked about the feces and there are some dogs that have been getting sick. Uh, what are some of the other issues that can happen uh, on behalf of these turkeys? Yeah, so some issues, those turkeys congregating, going out on the road and, and getting hit or turkeys congregating and then uh, spreading disease between them. So uh, there's a, a lot of issues that can come up that are bad for the birds just being here in town and and then moving on to people these birds are getting on cars they're getting on houses they're damaging trees they're scratching up flower beds so it's yeah and one of the things we haven't talked about recently and he brings it up but um you know we all had a good friend thomas gobbles who was our wild turkey several years ago and and thomas was infamous for chasing little kids and everybody thought that was funny and you know we all made the joke about put a backpack on janet and justin and send them out and that's how we're gonna find which one is thomas gobbles and and um you know it's it's um it's not safe right we do have a highly outdoor community 
in in Casper that likes to, you know, their kids walk to school, people walk their dogs, and and these creatures are chasing them depending on the time of the year. So not only, you know, are we talking about property, but we're also talking about people. And anyone who's been up close to um, turkeys know that they've got some some pretty um, great equipment to defend themselves. Mm -hmm. So so it is something that we do want to watch. Um, you know, property, people, pets all are uh you know kind of at and, risk when you're around wild turkeys yeah and we're in january right now in april they'll start mating and that's when we really see a lot of aggressive turkeys those toms will get to t territorial and yep so let's flash forward three months and we're in april and the mating season is going will they break apart this large flock and kind of move away from from where they are or will they make this happen right in front of everybody in the middle of town there'll definitely some birds that stay in town but there'll be less big flocks like there is in the winter time and then what we'll start to see throughout the spring and in the summer some of those birds will start to disperse in the creek bottoms up casper mountain it's a good place for them to lay their eggs and raise their chicks and then we won't have as big of a problem until you know around thanksgiving when they start moving back in and, and they all bring their chicks back. Yeah. So <laughs> their pulse, actually. So really, it's kind of an interesting ordeal because it, it really is seeing nature firsthand. You know, you, you kind of see every phase and every step of it. Obviously, there there is hunting seasons for turkey in this process, too. So, I mean, that could weed out a, a few of them. But, Brandon, I know you guys have a, a plan. You mentioned that you've worked with the city of Casper and you guys now have a plan can you give us a little bit of an idea of what your, you know, your trapping and relocating process is going to be? Yeah, so we've moved forward in the county with some trapping and relocating of wild turkeys, and we're looking into we're looking to do it in the city as well in some of these areas where we're having a lot of birds, a lot of complaints, and just putting them in a different area where they can actually be wild turkeys and not just turkeys in town that are causing all these issues and, and harmful for themselves. So you had mentioned to me before that you wouldn't just collect them up and put them just outside of town so that they may flock back in. But what are what's the idea area, the ideal area that you would want to lo relocate these turkeys? Right. So we have a pretty rigorous process. We look at a lot of habitat before we even decide to trap these turkeys. So ideal turkey habitat would have really low human density because these birds are so used to humans, they're so used to getting fed, that they're like, oh, there's a house, let's run over there and see if they have any grain. We wanna see a lot of big cottonwood trees on creek bottoms. We wanna see a lot of ponderosa pines or, or Douglas firs, preferably in central and eastern Wyoming. Uh, just a, a lot of good grain in, in on the ground and then good pastures that has a lot of good forbs in the summertime, a lot of good grasses for them to eat. So they need open space and they also need good cover. So really, they're all wild animals. So if you if you feed deer and they know that you are going to feed them and there's a food source there, that they're going to come back. Bears, we always talk about you know, make sure your trash cans are closed, make sure all the food sources are, are put away. These wild animals are going to keep coming back to where they know that food is. So relocating them to an area that has everything that they need is the ideal situation. 
Exactly. And Brandon and his crew do spend a lot of time investigating that. They'll talk to a lot of local landowners in an area that they might find has the suitable habitat and make sure everybody is aware of the, the you know, chance that they might be re relocated. Um, it is just something that um, we pay a lot of attention to and really just don't want to relocate these birds back into the same situation. So, so what's going to happen, Drew, over the next several months? And it's already been going on and it will kind of continue on, um, you know, for the next couple of years, probably, is Game and Fish is going to be actively trapping those birds. And so you may see us standing around. We will be live trapping them and people need to know that it is a live trap. So we have a net that we will drop on them. We will get those birds. We shove them in these boxes that are actually turkey boxes. They're pretty cool um, from the National Wild Turkey um, Foundation that were developed. And then we will be transporting them to different areas around the state. And again, that goes back to where, you know, we find some suitable habitat. But it will be quite the commotion. Um, there will be, you know, a lot of people, a lot of things kind of going around. And we just want people to know it's it's not a dangerous situation for them. It's not a dangerous situation for the turkeys. We will be actively monitoring. And so, so just kind of be aware. And if you do see something that looks out of place, don't bother it. You know, if you see some some crazy nets kind of hanging around, um, those have been approved uh, by landowners or homeowners that we might be on their property. And and we just want people to know that it's it's kind of a safe procedure. And well, here we go. And our goal is to not re remove every single one of the turkeys yeah. from Casper. Yeah, that's a good We just want to bring point. them down to more manageable levels. We talk a lot with, you know, the continuous monitoring of elk and deer and antelope around, you know, Wyoming. Is the, the turkey situation the same where you're kind of monitoring these flocks in different locations of maybe, yeah, okay, we're going to go over here and we're going to take them to this area uh, this time. Uh, essentially, yes. We have different hunt areas in the state broke down and we pay attention to how many birds are in each area. It's not an exact number, but it's pretty easy to see how population trends are going. So there's areas of the state where population trends are going down and that's a great place to take these birds to try to supplement those populations. Whenever we trap birds out of town or wherever in the county, they all get a band on them. So if, if one gets harvested or one just randomly dies or shows up somewhere, they're pretty visible bands and we can look at them and be like, oh, well, we set this bird here and they showed up over here. Just a good way to track them. And, you know, we do have um, different biologists around the state. And we're lucky enough in the Casper region to have Joe Sandrini. And we've talked to Joe previously on the show about wild turkeys. And um, Joe is, you know, based in Newcastle. So he has the Black Hills experience right out his back door. And, you know, Joe was, gosh, I can't even remember, two, three years ago, he was named one of, or the actual best um wild turkey biologist by the National Wild Turkey Federation for the entire country. And so, you know, we just do have a lot of knowledge and experience within the agency to kind of deal with a lot of these um, birds. And so it's it's pretty cool to, to be able to watch these populations and monitor the populations. And like Brandon said, it's just so closely tied to, you know, water, habitat, um, and different seasonal conditions. And so it's, it's pretty neat to do. And if you are ever bored, we have lots of data on our website that people can go to and look up in our JCRs and things like that. Our job completion report is what that stands for, which are always posted on our website that people can track that right along with us.
I really do think it's so cool that Wyoming has developed this turkey population here. You know, I mean, they started in such a small number back in the day and everything is so perfect here in Wyoming that that we're able to to grow flocks like that. But one thing I want to cover real quick is if someone needs to make a complaint about one of these turkeys or if someone um, hits one of these turkeys, unfortunately it happens, what's the process they need to go through to make sure that someone knows about it? You can call me at the Game and Fish Department if you're having issues with these turkeys. If you know somebody that's that's feeding turkeys within the city of Casper, uh, you can call Casper PD. If you hit a turkey and injure it, we have our stop poaching hotline that you can call and they'll direct somebody to that. If you hit one and it's deceased uh, and it needs to get picked up, Casper Metro does pick up the, the dead wild turkeys in town. So, you know, if I go to the uh, Wyoming 511 website and I see roadkill, then I go on there and I fill out the little permit and then I can take that. Is that the same with turkeys? Say you hit a wild turkey and you want to take it home with you, you can download the Wyoming 511 app, uh, report the roadkill. You just have to make sure it's during daylight hours and you have to take the whole carcass. Okay. So that's one way that you can nab one of these pesky turkeys here in Casper is if, uh, it's, if it's dead on the road. Right. Well, we want to make sure people aren't actively trying to hit them because you can get in trouble for that. But if somebody in front of you hits one and you want a nice turkey dinner, that's that's a good way to, to use the meat. But people need to recognize what happens to an animal when it is hit by a car or there is something that happens, right? There's a lot of damage to that tissue. And so it oftentimes is not edible. So don't be thinking that that's the best way to go for it for turkey dinner, because that's probably not going to happen. But especially with an animal that's that's that small, um, you're not going to have enough meat really to harvest off of it. But go for it if you accidentally hit one. But like Brandon said, it is not something that uh, we recommend trying. All right. Find out more turkey talk and turkey information and when the, the trapping starts uh, on the uh, WGFD.wild.gov. You can get uh, all the information there. Or if you have questions, just reach out to Brandon or any of the folks out at the, the Game and Fish office. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. And welcome back to the show. It's Drew along with Brian Woodward from Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. And Brian... Uh, well, we were just actually talking to some folks about boysen, and boysen, which is normally a, a solid, good ice fishing destination, is a little sketchy now at this point. Well, I don't, I don't know if I'd necessarily say sketchy, but just like any time you're on the ice, you got to be careful, and uh, boysen's pretty notorious for getting those big, tall uh, pressure ridges. And, uh, you know, throughout the day, those pressure ridges are going to open up or c- contract a little bit. But, um, yeah, there's some there's some pressure ridges out there that guys need to be careful of. But uh, that being said, uh, Poison Creek, they said you need extensions. There's over three foot of ice down in Poison Creek. So I think good ice in the majority of it. But there's always, you know, room to be cautious uh, on on some of those points and some of those around those pressure ridges for sure. Yeah, I know they have they open up an ice rink that they make out every year, but mm-hmm. they've actually closed that one early just after just a couple of weeks because of uh, it was melting off in that that general area. Yeah, I know, and they just get the water on top of it. You know, they didn't have a lot of snow to really insulate that uh, that uh, ice. 
And so, you know, it, it gets a little bit more uh, abrupt to the, the exposures of the wind and whatnot. To, and that's definitely going to affect, you know, the, the ice conditions. And um, that ice rink uh, doesn't typically stay open for very long anyways. So, you you know, make sure that you're being safe. And I know that some of the places around Natrona County, uh, you know, they are, are pretty much open water in, in some areas. Yeah, most of our small ponds and creeks and that kind of stuff are, you know, with 40 and 50 degree days, we've had, um, you know, and, and some wind, uh, those those ponds and stuff are opening up pretty good. So what we're going to get is, you know, we're going to have a, a, a snap run of pretty cold temperatures through this weekend, and then we're back up into the, the upper 30s and 40s and 50s. So we're going to have the same situation in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely time to start looking at the, the boats and some open water because uh, we've already got Alcova open. Uh, a majority of it's open anyways. It's definitely fishable. Uh, I guess guys are launching from Oki Beach. Uh, I don't think a guy can get up in the canyon yet, but uh, there was a uh, Reports of, the, of up to 10 boats up on Alcova one day last week. Wow. So, gosh, we're still in February. It's we're a, in February. <laughs> it's a little a little spooky because you know how Mother Nature can rear her head, and before you know it, we're back in what we should be in February. But Yeah, you know, just, uh, I mean, those of us that have been around uh, this part of the woods a while, I mean, we're, we know that it's coming. You know, we're going to have, you know, probably some really wet, heavy snow, uh, especially with these temperatures that uh, – you know, we might get some rain, but we're, we're, we're bound to have a couple of good heavy snows before uh, it's all said and done. Well, definitely safety is your first concern when you're heading out. And, you know, if you're going to attempt ice fishing or even getting out on the water in your boat and fishing, you know, this time of year with the, the weather changes like it is, if you're not prepared there, boy, it could be a miserable day. Yeah, I mean, for one, definitely layering up, you know, keeping the hands warm, making sure the the boats are are running properly, that you're draining everything properly. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of things that can certainly go wrong, but uh, it it sure is a good time to get out too. Maybe uh, a good time to you know start thinking about what you're going to do with that meat that you've been you know carrying around in your freezer for a while, and you know if you've been waiting to process it up, that'd be a good time to do that. Yeah, I, was, I opened up my freezer yesterday, and I'm like, oh, I forgot I have this uh, burger that I was going to make some uh, uh, jerky into. So, yeah, it's definitely a good time to, you know, kind of get some of those projects done and get your snacks ready for fishing season. You know, and I've, I've been looking a lot at, at the, the limb products because it's one of those things when you buy a certain brand, you want to stick with that mm-hmm. that brand. And, and a meat slicer was, was one of the things we were looking at to make sure we were having perfectly, you know, even jerky strips, jerky strips <laughs> and and we were even, even thinking about you know there's these uh chicken breast chips that i love to eat yeah but if you get them too thick it's like chewy bacony <laughs> you know but you know the full line of, of limb products you guys have here on the shelves which is great yeah and we just uh, got an awfully big order in uh, to kind of replenish all of our winter winter uh, sales so we're sitting in really good shape you know dehydrators and slicers stuffers all your seasonings for for all that type of stuff you know it's a good time to jump in and make some summer sausage or you know some breakfast sausage and uh that lem stuff definitely uh makes it easy for you and of course if you're looking for a smoker to to throw it on to give it that smoky flavor you've got a, a great line of those 
Yeah, you know, uh, those Traegers are just kind of tried and true. They're they're really solid units. Uh, there's very little problems with them over the years. And, man, you get into some of these uh, top-end ones, I mean, you could put up to seven racks, stainless steel racks in these things, and that, that, that gets a lot of jerky done real quick. Yeah, it sure does. Get on by here and check them out at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. It's Drew along with Brian. We're back at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. And, and Brian, we talked a little bit about how, you know, we're already itching to get out on boats and, and do some fishing. And, and spring fishing will be here before you know it. And I know with uh, the the wild, walleye stampede, you guys are, are already moving into the, the next phase here. Yeah, we're um, accepting applications. We've got close to 60 boats signed up for the first two events already and 40 for the third um, looks like it's going to be another action-packed summer. And with the way the Glendo Reservoir was fishing last year, um, I would expect to see some great numbers of uh, good quality fish out of there again this year. So if we don't get that great snow like we had last year, are we looking maybe the spring of next year being kind of a, a, a rough spring again? Or do you, you thinking? It'd be pretty pretty normal. You know, it's it's really kind of hard telling. Uh, a lot of it just kind of depends on uh, what's the water demand below um, below Wyoming or through the Platte system there, uh, what the demands are there. But you know, a lot of our snowpacks, from what I've been seeing, are in that 65, 75 percent, and some are a little bit higher. Um, and a lot of our snow comes out of you know uh, the snowies and then out of Colorado. So. Um, you know, we were fortunate that we had like Pathfinder Reservoir sitting at about 65%, which is higher than pretty much any year in the last five. So um, we've, we're already starting off with good uh, water levels at most of our reservoirs. So uh, I'm pretty hopeful that we're going to have uh, a good, good water to keep these reservoirs pretty full. Now, I heard from quite a few people because of the warmer weather that we had that there have been some drift boats out on, on the river, and, and some of these guides are really you know, already getting in a little bit of action. So have you heard anything about how the fishing is going on the river? You know, anytime you can get on the, on the river, it's going to be good. Um, you know, it's just a matter of uh, figuring out, you know, what they're eating and what bug hatches and, and that type of stuff. But, yeah, there's been uh, seen quite a few drift boats out. You know, if a guy can uh, – pick the day where you know you don't have as much wind and you know you're probably going to launch the boat a little bit later in the morning to let that sun get up and, and uh where you can at least uh, have a little bit of sun on your face because the wind if, if with these morning temperatures and the wind i mean it's definitely going to make a miserable time on the on the water but you know catching fish always changes uh, your your outlook a lot so there were a couple mornings i woke up where i kind of forgot that we should be cold and and then it snapped me right in the face when i walked outside <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> making making sure that uh, you're ready for for days like that and you know it won't be too long we'll be looking ahead to getting out on on the water and hitting a lot of the springtime fishing but now at this point minnows are they still strong or i mean night crawlers like what what kind of baits are people fishing you know uh this time of year minnows are definitely the preferred bait for pretty much anything uh whether you're ice fishing or open water um everything will eat a minnow pretty much you know year round so that's that's what we're selling the most of um of course you know there's guys that just like fishing with worms and i'm sure they're pretty successful doing that too but i always find that uh, that worm bite uh kind of correlates uh with uh the bug bite with the bug hatch and when there's a really good bug hatch it seems like the worms are a little more productive um so 
yeah, I guess my bait of choice right now would, would definitely be going to minnows. Would plastics work at all with this type of, uh, you know, cold water weather kind of situation? Yeah, I mean, anytime that there's a minnow bite, you can duplicate that with uh, plastics or even, you know, pitching a crankbait like a Rapala or a Flicker Shad. You know, it, all it is is a minnow imitation. Um, however, it seems like this time of year, the presentation on minnows tends to be a little bit slower pe- uh, presentation. So instead of maybe popping your, the plastic, you know, two or three feet off the bottom of the of the surface there, uh, you know, it might be more of a, a scoot or a drag um, with that particular plastic. Um, but yeah, it's definitely definitely worth trying. I mean, this time of year, uh, you know, I, I was looking back on some memories, and it was February 14th, and I was up on the Miracle Mile with a friend of mine, and and we just you know had a heyday with some big browns and some really nice rainbows, and all, pretty much all on plastic. So really, uh, there are options when you go out and uh, and see what's out in the water right now. And uh, we're getting to the end, I believe, this weekend, the last weekend for for goose season. And then, uh, you know, then we're kind of pheasant, pheasant only for a little while. Pheasant till the end of March, I think. And, um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm off to South Dakota for a weekend and, uh, then do a few more trips here in, in, in Casper out at Riverbend. And then, yeah, we're, we're hitting the water. It's kind of crazy last year. I mean, your year of goose hunting was exceptional. You know, you had a really great year last year. And right. The, the tale of two different seasons. You know, you still had a good year, but last year seemed like it was. We've, we've definitely had to work a little harder at them. We, you know, couldn't really hunt the same fields, uh, you know, multiple times. We uh, were kind of chasing it. It felt like we were just chasing the same group of local birds from field to field. And, um, you know, a lot of guys that I've talked to, especially down like in the Wheatland area where it typically holds a lot of birds because of the number of crops and then the open water around the power plant and that type of stuff, uh, they're struggling. And um, it almost feels that uh, as warm as the weather's been, that those birds have uh, already headed north and, uh, you know, getting ready to do their thing so taking advantage of it while you can i guess is the only way you can do this year isn't it (laughs) yeah i mean we definitely were more successful than we would have been if we were sitting on the couch and that's true you know we've talked about that a lot you know if you uh, are waiting for the weather to be good to do something you're never going to get anything done so (laughs) you know it's so funny to me because just this week i was talking to uh to someone and she said, oh, no, 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 I always plan on what the weather does before I do anything. I don't like being cold. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, you know, a lot of times, you know, we'll be here in Casper and the wind will just be howling like crazy yeah. and we'll head out towards uh, Alcova and you walk, go out there and it's like, well, who flipped the switch? Like, where's the wind? Like, what what happened? And so, you know, if, if you wake up and look out your window and go, oh, it's too windy, I'm not going in, out today, you know, it, Shame on you. Get out there and do something. Put on some layers and go. That's the way to get through it, right? That's right. That's right. All right. Get out in here and get those layers at Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with Drew Kirby. If you have a question, want to make a comment, or have an idea for a show topic, message us on the My Country mobile app. Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors.